our gospel reading and sermon text this morning as we continue in Mark chapter 12. Remember, Jesus is in a series of confrontations and conflicts with uh, the religious leaders in Jerusalem. Uh, he's just days away from riding in victoriously on a donkey and just days away from being crucified on a cross. So here, Mark chapter 12, verses 13 to 17. And they, that would be the chief priests, scribes, and elders, they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, would that we today would marvel at Jesus. Now, I'm not certain that the kind of marveling at Jesus they did is, is the kind that you really want from us, but I know you want us to marvel at him. So I pray that by your spirit, through your word, you would come and show us Jesus and help us to marvel at him, not, not just as someone whose wit and wisdom can get out of a, a tricky question, but, but as Lord, as God, as the one who owns us, help us to marvel at Jesus and his love for your people, including us. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So, gotcha questions. You like those gotcha questions? Uh, if you aren't aware, uh, I'm going to let you know right now, we uh, are in the middle of an election year, 2020. Did you, did you know that? Sorry to remind you. Now everybody's sad. Um, but election years, we're going to hear lots of good gotcha questions this coming year and on the campaign trail and uh, televised debates and press conferences, lots of gotcha questions. Now, we love seeing our least favorite politicians get trapped by gotcha questions. We just love that. We kind of lick our lips and go, <laughs> they got you on that one, didn't they? But on the other hand, we love watching our favorite politicians escape the trap of gotcha questions with a witty gotcha back answer. And we love that too. We're like, yeah, you tell them. Well, Mark chapter 12 
is a classic gotcha question moment. And it's a classic gotcha back answer moment. The Pharisees and the Herodians have come up with what they think is the ultimate gotcha question that will trap Jesus with his own words. But then Jesus masterfully slips out of that trap and slams it back on them. Got you back. So let's take a quick look at what's going on here. Mark says, they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. Now, I like to call these guys, the Pharisees and the Herodians, I like to call them the posers. They are the posers because... Not only are they about to pose a question, but they are posers. Jesus knew their hypocrisy. They're hypocrites. So who are these guys? Pharisees and Herodians were not typically friendly with each other. So this is something different is happening here. The Pharisees are what you might call, maybe you might call the conservatives. Um, They have a passion for the pure practice of the Jewish religion. The Herodians, on the other hand, you might call them the liberals. Um, they, they loved to follow the, the Herod family like they were the Kardashians or something. Um, the, the Herodians had, um, had a passion for uh, the pagan Greek art and architecture and athletics. Um, and their practice of the Jewish religion was probably merely external at best. Okay, so you've got those who are legalistic about God's law and those who were kind of loose in their practice of God's law coming together because they have a common enemy in Jesus. Why is that? Well, Jesus' teaching has condemned the self-righteousness of the Pharisees, and it's also condemned the worldliness of the Herodians. The Pharisees didn't like Jesus riding into town a couple of days ago as the Messiah. And the Herodians, who are friends with the kings, didn't like Jesus riding into town a couple of days ago like he was the new king of Israel. They didn't like this. And to make matters worse, he was stealing away their glory and power as he stole the hearts of the people. So none of these guys liked Jesus. They were coming together to trap him, the posers devised a plan. They're going to try to trap him in his talk like like they're going to catch a fish in the net. And, and, And so why do they have to do this? Why don't they just go get him? Well, you have to remember the verse just before this passage, verse 12. They were seeking to arrest him, but they feared the people. For they perceived that he had told that parable of the vineyard against them, and so they left him and went away to devise another plan. They were fearful of the people. They needed to find a way to discredit Jesus in the minds of the people so that they could pave a way for his arrest. At this moment, if they try to grab him and arrest him, the people are going to go crazy. So they've got to find a way. How can we get Jesus um, to, to drop some popularity points in the polls here? And this is how they would do it. First, they would pose as true fans, true fans of Jesus. And then they would pose a trick question to Jesus. Mark says, they came and said to him, teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion. 
For you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or shouldn't we? If there's ever a moment, I don't know if Jesus ever rolled his eyes or not, but if there's ever a moment for the Son of God to roll, roll his eyes, this is that moment. Oh, please, you've got to be kidding me. First of all, you called me teacher? Really? Teacher? I true, you think I truly teach the way of God, huh? So, so you're saying that you came to learn from me? You came to learn the true way of God from me? Yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. We'll see about that. And, and then secondly, you think, you think that I don't care about anyone's opinion, that I'm not swayed by appearances. You're right, you're right. But I find it odd that you are now trying to sway me by your appearances. Um, what's the deal here? Uh, we are not the posers that you're looking for. Listen, don't, don't try those Sith mind tricks on me, please. This is ridiculous. Jesus knew their hypocrisy. He knew that they were just posers acting like something they're not. Now, let's stop right here. There's some poser in all of us, isn't there? We call, Jesus Pete, uh, we call Jesus teacher, but do we really want to learn from him? And, and not just learn the things that we like that Jesus says, do we really want to learn everything that Jesus has to teach us? Do we really want to listen to what Jesus has to say about everything in our life and our world? Do we, do we believe he's true? Do we really believe he's true? Do I truly believe that what we confessed in the Apostles' Creed earlier about Jesus is true? Or are those just words that I say? And it's easy when we do it quite often. It's easy for it to just become words. But do I believe them? Because if I believe that Jesus truly teaches the way of God, then why is it, why is that way of God that Jesus teaches not my life's passion to know and to do what he says? And do I, including me as a pastor, do I just flatter him with flowery praise on Sunday and then go do what I want the rest of the week? Sometimes I do. You can be sure that Jesus knows our hypocrisy. His poser detector is perfectly tuned. So part one of the plan, poses true fans. Yeah, that didn't work so well. Now, part two of the plan, pose a trick question. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? Now, why is this a trick question? How is this... A trick question. There's a little bit of backstory to this question. Let me, let me try to explain. The tax that they're talking about began in the year 6 AD. So that would be approximately 25 years before this conversation. So that's, that's pretty fresh in their minds. In 6 AD, Caesar 
had become dissatisfied with the leadership of Herod Archelaus, whose region of rule was Judea, Jerusalem. And so Caesar sent him away and clamped down on Judea with a more military-style rule, which included the annual payment of this head tax or a poll tax. And with this annual tax, Rome would cover the costs of their military occupation of Judea. So now you start to see why the Jews weren't all that happy about this tax. Josephus, the historian of that day, tells us that uh, in 6 AD, there was a man named Judas of Galilee. Judas of Galilee. This is not any of the Judases that are in the Bible. This is a guy uh, that Josephus tells us about. Um, Judas of Galilee, along with a Pharisee named Saduk, became zealous to draw the Jews into a revolt against Rome because of this tax. So in 6 AD, Rome comes in, they clamp down on them, they start this poll tax. Judas of Galilee and Saduk, the Pharisee, gather and revolt. They rise up against Rome. Judas of Galilee said this, This tax is no better than an introduction to slavery, and it and exhorts the nation to assert their, and he exhorted the nation to assert their liberty for the honor and glory of Israel. And so in this revolt, he did a lot of damage, but he was ultimately put down by Rome. And this revolt gave rise to a new sect in Judea, uh, in Judea or Judaism called the Zealots. Remember, uh, one of the 12 disciples was Simon the Zealot. So he was one of these guys from that movement. So you can see how with all this talk from Jesus about the kingdom of God being at hand, about himself, about he being the Christ, the Messiah, um, they're just a couple of days from Jesus clearing out the temple as if, as if he had the authority to do it. Um, Jesus claiming in a parable that he's the son that the owner of the vineyard called Israel has sent. They want to know, is Jesus of Galilee going to be as zealous as Judas of Galilee? Will he pay the tax? Will he rise up and revolt? Because these posers know that the people are, the people are looking for a king to overthrow Rome. If Jesus says don't pay the tax, he will upset the people because to pay the tax was to acknowledge Caesar's domination over them. But they know Rome still remembers what happens when Judas of Galilee said don't pay the tax and they had to squash that uprising. So if Jesus of Galilee says don't pay the tax, he'll upset Rome because they will think he's inciting another revolt. So either way, the trap is set. He will lose his popularity with the people and then they can do what they want with him without fear of the people. Or he could lose his life to the Romans, and these Pharisees and Herodians will say, thank you very much, Rome, for taking care of our business. So the posers think they've posed a question that sets a trap. They say, gotcha, Jesus. Well, we'll see about that. Jesus responds with, why why do you put me to the test? 
Any school kid will tell you, you don't put the teacher to the test. That's not going to go well for you. Posers, prepare to be deposed. Jesus says, bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one. Funny, Jesus didn't have one of them. And they did. Interesting. The denarius was the only coin the people were allowed to use to pay the head tax or the poll tax. Now, we're going to put a picture of it up here for you. There it is. We, have, we actually do have um, denarii in museums today. So this is what they look like. It was probably worth, worth less than our quarter is, and it's probably close to the size of our dime. But you can see that on the front uh, side of it is the image of Tiberius, Caesar Tiberius. And on the back is the image of his mother, Livia, um, and she's holding an olive branch. And uh, on, the, on the front side, there's a, an abbreviated uh, inscription that reads, Tiberius Caesar Augustus, son of the divine Augustus. So Caesar Tiberius was considered the son of Augustus, the god, and the goddess Livia. So he's the son of God. That was on the front, and on the back, it says Pontifex Maximus, which means high priest. So here he is, the emperor, son of God, high priest. Hmm, very interesting. And Jesus said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the, thing that are, the things that are God's. So Jesus' answer to the question, should we pay taxes or not, was yes. Now, at this point, it would be easy to derail this sermon into a lesson on our relationship with the government. I'm not going to do that, but let me summarize by saying this. Yes, what Jesus said here certainly influenced what the apostles taught later, as in Romans 13, for example, Paul teaches about our relationship with the government should be one of submission and support. Uh, Paul said in Romans 13, in fact, he uses the same word that's translated render. He says, pay, render, Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. So, so yes, Jesus is saying that obligations to God and the state are not necessarily in conflict, but loyalty and submission to God takes absolute pri priority over every other loyalty and submission, including to the state. I don't think Mark intended for this to be a lesson about submission to and support of the government as much as it's meant to be a statement about who Jesus is and what he's come to do. Look, the word these posers used in their question was pay. Should we pay taxes? 
the word Jesus used is render, which means pay back. It's a different word. Pay back to Caesar what belongs to him. It's got his image on it. It's literally his. These silver coins came from Caesar's uh, treasury of silver. It, it was all his money. Pay it back. But Jesus seems to be saying that the question you should really be asking is not, what do I owe Caesar, but what do I owe God? Render, pay back to God the things that are God's. And these posers would know, because they know Genesis 1, which says God created man in his own image, they know that God's image is on them. They know that God's image is on the people they've been given to care for. God's people, Israel. So they know what he's saying. Tiberius has his coins with his images all over his empire. And so you owe Tiberius what is his. Pay it back. When that Roman tax collector shows up and says, pay up, you better pay up. But God has put his, his image on every person who has ever lived in the entire world, including you, Pharisees and Herodians, and including the people, his people, that he's given to you. God's coins are all belong to him. You belong to him. And so Jesus comes and shows up in Jerusalem and says, Hello, I am God's tax collector. He has sent me to you to say, it's time to pay up. Just as God, the vineyard owner, sent his son to gather the grapes that are his due, God, the emperor, has sent his son to gather his coins that are his due. They have his image on them. So Jesus, in essence, is saying, Here's my question for you. Is it lawful for you to pay back God what you owe him? Shouldn't you render to God what belongs to him? Are you going to keep God's people in your pocket and refuse to give him back his coins? Are you going to be Judas of Galilee and refuse to pay him what you owe? Do you dare incite a revolt against Yahweh? Are you prepared for God, the true emperor, to come in and squash your revolt? And they marveled at him. Can't you just see Jesus right now with a knowing grin on his face, looking at them and going, gotcha. Friends, Jesus has the same message for us today. God has stamped his image and likeness on each of us. He owns us. We are his coins. And in the 4th century AD, St. Augustine wrote these words. The coin has no knowledge of its bearing the image of the prince, but you are the coin of God. And so far, highly superior as possessing mind and even life, so as to know the one whose image you bear. So whether you believe in God, whether you trust God, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, 
all of us know that there's something precious about being human. All of us know innately, instinctively, that we bear the image of our Creator. Augustine went on to say this, we are God's money. We are God's money. But we are like coins that have wandered away from the treasury. What was once stamped upon us, the image of God, has been worn down by our wandering. The one who restamps his image upon us is the one who first formed us. He himself seeks his own coin as Caesar sought his coin. It is in this sense that Jesus says, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. To Caesar his coins, to God your very selves. Friends, in our sin, in our own personal revolt against Yahweh the emperor, we have tarnished and ruined the image that God has stamped on us. And when he comes to collect what is his, we can't pay. We cannot pay him. We can't pay up because we can't pay him back. We are poor in spirit. We are spiritually bankrupt. We have nothing to offer back to him but a worn down, ruined version of what he minted us to be. Is there any hope for us? Thanks be to God. He sent his son not only to collect what we owe God, but to become what we owe God. We read earlier in Colossians 1 that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He's the emperor. Listen to what Paul said. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He's the true emperor. For in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And he's the high priest. Through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Emperor. Jesus is the High Priest. And He has come to collect His head tax. He's come to gather His coins. But if I can't pay Him back, then how can I pay, pay up? We go back to Mark chapter 1, to where Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, it's time to pay up. I've come to collect God's dues. And then what did he say? Repent and believe the gospel. And then he said, follow me. Friends, we can't pay him back. <laughs> but the way we give him back that which is rightfully his is we repent. We turn away from spending ourselves on ourselves. 
We turn away from spending ourselves on ourselves, from refusing to submit to the true emperor, the true son of God, the true high priest. We give ourselves, our whole selves, our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, everything to him. We stop spending ourselves on ourselves. And instead, we turn and believe the good news that Jesus came to spend himself for us. Jesus came to pay the debt that we could never pay back. And one of the last things that Jesus said on the cross was, to tell us die, it is finished. And perhaps you've heard this before, but it, it bears repeating. Archaeologists have discovered that from that time period when Jesus was alive, there are, they have found bills of sale with the word tetelestai written across them. It is finished. And what it means is paid in full. Jesus came to pay in full what we could not pay at all. And we can trust him to be our emperor and our high priest because he's the son of God who gave himself for us. So we repent, we believe the good news of the gospel, and we follow him. We follow him. As he continues to restore his image in us by his spirit, we continue to spend ourselves for him on others. And we don't do this to earn his love for us, but to expend that love that he has given us to others who need it, who don't yet know it. We love because he first loved us. We spend ourselves because he first spent himself for us. And when we do this, the world will see the image of Jesus on us. They will see that he's the son of God, that he's the emperor, that he's the high priest. Father, would you come and do that in us? Restore the image of Christ Jesus to us. Make us people who will spend ourselves on others because Jesus has spent himself for us and on us. Ah, thank you for the good news of the gospel. Would you come and help us to bear the image of Jesus in the places you put us? In Christ's name I pray, amen.